When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Abgenommen bedauert. Unsolved Mysteries. Gordon case is undoubtedly without parallel in the criminal annals of America. It is perhaps the most puzzling murder which has occurred anywhere in the whole world. The perpetrator of this double murder was saved from the gallows by a most extraordinary chain of circumstances. Circumstances which perhaps would not recur in a thousand years. place in Fall River, Massachusetts, was a house of silences. A house of moody, brooding silences brought about by pent-up hatreds, petty jealousies, niggardly dealings in money matters, and two daughters who hated their stepmother. A stepmother who hated with equal intensity her two stepdaughters. Even from the outside, the Borden house where it stood on South Main Street had about it an air of ineffable doom. The atmosphere of a place accursed. It is exactly 30 seconds before 11 o'clock on the morning of August the 4th. Bridget, the maid, finished with her morning duties, is resting in her room on the third story. Mr. Borden is lying on the couch in the living room. 
Emma Borden is away from home. And Lizzie... Lizzie Borden is standing on the back porch. Bridget! Bridget! Come here! What's the matter, Miss Lizzie? Come down quick. Father's dead. Somebody came in and killed him. Don't go in, Bridget. Don't go in. Get a doctor. Run across the street and get Dr. Bowen. Is there anything wrong, Lizzie? Oh, Mrs. Churchill, someone has killed Father. Please, please come over. I'll be over right away. The doctor isn't home. I left word for him to come. Miss Lizzie, where were you when this happened? I was out in the yard. I heard a groan. The screen door was wide open. I came in. Lizzie, Lizzie, where is your father? In the living room. Where were you, Lizzie, when it happened? I went to the barn to get a piece of iron. Where is your mother? I don't know. She had a note to go see someone who was sick. It must have been in town. But I thought I heard her come in. I don't know but what she may have been killed, too. Father must have an enemy. What's all this, Lizzie? What's it to hear about your father? It's Dr. Bowen. And he has Officer Allen with him. Oh, doctor. Doctor, in the living room. All right, all right. Now stand back. Come on, doctor. No, no need to examine him to see whether or not he's dead. Get me a sheet, somebody. How long has he been dead, doc? Mm, about ten minutes. Still warm. Lizzie. Yes, doctor. Where were you when this happened? I was over at the barn. Where were you, Bridget? In my room. Upstairs. Well, did you hear anything? No. Were you asleep? No. I've just been lying down for a few seconds. Now listen, nobody could have killed this man the way he's been killed without making some noise. No signs of any weapon either, officer. Let me see your hands, Bridget. That's it. Turn around. Oh, nothing there. You, Miss Lizzie, let me see your hands. Me? Me? Yes, you. Whoever killed this man must have left some traces. And you were the only two people in the house. There's no signs of blood on Lizzie. Not even inside her body. I've looked, Bridget. You go upstairs and see if Mother's come in. Not alone, Miss Lizzie. I'm not going up those stairs alone. I'll go with you. Oh, Doctor, Doctor Lizzie. Oh. That's, that's Mrs. Borden? Yes, yes. I knew something like this would happen. What? Why? I just did. That's all. Alan. Yes, Doctor? She's, Mrs. Borden's been dead anywhere from one hour to two hours. And he's been dead only a few minutes. Yes. Well, every one of you stay where you are. I'm going to search for the weapon. But neither Officer Allen nor any other of the many members of the police force ever found the weapon. Mrs. Churchill, from her window across the driveway, saw no one enter or leave the house. Mrs. Borden, the murdered woman, weighed nearly 200 pounds, yet no one heard a sound when the murderer failed her. Not a sound, not a cry, not a clue, but suspicions, yes. Lizzie Borden lay in prison, staring at the whitewashed ceiling, hearing again and again the same words... Different voices, but always the same words. Where were you, Lizzie Borden, when this happened? 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 The Superior Court of New Bedford on this day, June the 20th, now in session. Chief Justice Albert Mason presiding. All stand while the justice takes his seat. Mr. Robinson, you may begin your closing appeal to the jury. Gentlemen of the jury, you have heard the witnesses describe the sitting room in which Mr. Borden was killed. Of the walls, the ceiling were splattered with blood. Now, gentlemen of the jury, almost two hours elapsed between the murders. At no time was Miss Lizzie Borden out of the sight of Bridget the Maid or Mr. Borden before his death for a period of more than 20 minutes. How could she cleanse herself of bloodstains in that length of time? I repeat, how could she cleanse herself of bloodstains in that length of time? She could not. 
Now remember that according to the state, Lizzie Borden must have killed her stepmother about 9.30, got rid of the weapon, cleansed herself, and appeared before Bridget the maid before 9.45. Again, she had between 10.45 and 11 o'clock in which to kill Mr. Borden, again dispose of the weapon, and again cleanse herself of bloodstains. Impossible, gentlemen of the jury, impossible. Within 15 minutes of Mr. Borden's death, Lizzie Borden was examined by Mrs. Churchill, who stated that there were no bloodstains on Lizzie Borden's person, not even inside her bodice. I have finished. I ask that you think carefully and seriously upon the evidence presented when you return your verdict. The district attorney may address the jury. <clears throat> Gentlemen of the jury, the defense contend that Lizzie Borden did not have time to cleanse herself after killing her stepmother. Hmm. Now that is something that no one can say. The medical testimony cannot and does not specify the exact moment at which Mrs. Borden was struck down. And Lizzie Borden may have had ample time in which to rid herself of the tell-tale bloodstains. In regard to the killing of Mr. Borden, I admit the difficulty. I cannot answer it. You cannot answer it. But, gentlemen of the jury, Lizzie Borden was the only person who could have committed the double murder. And so I say to you, gentlemen of the jury, as presiding judge in this case, that if the state have not proved their case, then you must find for the prisoner and return a verdict so. You may retire to consider your verdict. While the jury retire to consider their verdict, consider the case. It is not easy to remove bloodstains. Bloodstains can be removed more or less easily from the smooth skin of the face, but from the hands, no. Remember, too, that there was no bathtub in the Borden home. Do not lose sight of the fact that no weapon was found, no burned clothes were found, and the murderer must have been literally saturated with the victim's blood. Consider, too, that at any moment Bridget, the maid, or Mr. Borden could have walked upstairs and discovered the murderer killing Mrs. Borden. The jury have been out almost an hour. It is 4.30, and they file to their places in the jury box. Are the gentlemen of the jury agreed upon a verdict? We are, Your Honor. Lizzie Borden, stand up. Face the jury. We, the jury, find the prisoner not guilty. A careful reading without emotion or favor of the trial transcript must convince any unprejudiced person that Lizzie Borden did not commit the double murder. Since this is an unsolved mystery, any solution is necessarily a supposition based, however, upon the known facts. A possible solution will be presented after you have heard from your sponsor.
On two occasions previous to the Borden murders, the Borden home had been robbed of jewelry and money. Stray tramps had probably perpetrated the robberies, and remember that these gentlemen of the highway leave secret markings on walls and houses informing their brothers of the road that these houses are easy to rob, or perhaps a mark that tells that the householder is kindly and that food will be forthcoming. It is the morning of the murder. Lizzie? Lizzie? Yes, Mother? I'm going to town to visit a friend who isn't feeling well. Now, Mother? I'm going to my room to dress first. Have Bridget wash the windows. Yes, Mother. Bridget? Oh, Bridget? Yes, Miss Lizzie? I'm going to do some ironing. Will you wash the windows? Yes, Miss Lizzie. I've got the water and everything ready now. I'm going right outside. <laughs> Both for the irons won't be hard for quite a spell. I'll go over to the barn and get the lead to make these sinkers for my fishing line. A tramp hidden in the basement since early morning makes his way into the house. This is his opportunity for petty theft. The house is empty, he thinks. In the upper room, he comes face to face with Mrs. Borden. He silences her unuttered cry with a blow. Panic seizes him and he turns to flee. Escape is impossible. Lizzie Borden has returned from the barn and tremblingly the murderer hides in the same room where his victim lies dead. Here's your father, Miss Lizzie. I'm going up to my room for a few minutes. Very well, Bridget. Oh, hello, Father. Oh, hello, Lizzie. You may open me, Father. No, not the same, Lizzie. I'm tired. I, I think I'll lie down for a bit on the sofa. All right. I'm going out of the barn for a piece of iron. The murderer, still hidden in the upper room, hears the door slam. He creeps downstairs to the living room, sees Mr. Borden on the sofa, and thinking he's asleep, tries to creep past him. Borden looks up, sees the blood-stained figure, but like Mrs. Borden, he is silenced with a blow before he can say a word. The back door creaks. Lizzie's returning. In a moment, the hue and cry will be raised. The murderer's only chance is to hide in the basement and wait for an opportune moment to escape. And so Fall River had an unsolved mystery. For the police, despite a statement that a murderer could have entered the house through the basement, didn't even look in the basement till the next day. And the murderer had, of course, made his escape in the dark of the previous night. <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries. Out of deference to people who may still be living, character names in some of these true unsolved mysteries have been changed. Murder has many tongues, and there have been times when these tongues have accused falsely. As, for instance, the trial and conviction of Herbert Bennett was thought by many to be a miscarriage of justice. Not that Bennett was a desirable citizen, for that he most certainly was not, but guilty of murder... Would a jury today say not guilty where almost 40 years ago they said he must hang? If that be so, and many agree, then the murder on Yarmouth Sands stands today as one of England's unsolved mysteries.
The scene is South Beach, Yarmouth, England, and the time, six o'clock on a summer's morning. An early morning bather strides down the tight, damp sand toward the sea. South Beach is deserted but for this lone figure. Not a sound breaks the stillness but the cawing of seagulls, the timeless beating of the waves on the shore. The lone bather stops, turns white. His eyes start in their sockets. A cry of horror dies in his throat, and turning, he runs down the beach. In a few minutes, a police inspector, a policeman, and the lone bather are staring down on the body of a beautiful woman. You found her here not five minutes ago? That's right, Inspector. I was going for a morning swim. Not a thought on my mind. I I almost stepped on her. It was She's some... been dead most of the night, I'd say. Uh, some time, anyway. We'll let the medical examiner decide that. How How was she killed? Strangled. Strangled with an O'Hare bootlace. Look, tied in a reef knot. No signs of a struggle either, Inspector. No, his hand isn't disturbed. Doesn't look like robbery, either, since her rings are still on her fingers. Well, I don't want to disturb her too much, but I can't find a single identifying mark on her clothing. Now, wait. Here's a number. A laundry tag. Number 599. Mm. You live around these parts? Yes, Inspector. But I never saw this woman before. And this isn't a very big place. She's from the city, all right. What are these shoes? That... Chance of following anything from footprints. Tide pretty near came up to her. That's true. When you come right down to it, there isn't a clue as to who she is or who was with her. No, and on top of that, you can't even trace the murder weapon. Practically everyone has bought bootlaces like that one around her neck at some time or another. Mm, nothing under her fingernails to indicate that she fought for her life. We know that. The sand isn't even disturbed. But she could have been brought here after she was killed. Don't forget that. If you don't need me anymore, I'll get dressed. I, I don't think I'll go in for my swim after all. With nothing but the laundry mark as a clue, the Yarmouth police combed the town for someone to identify the murdered woman. Dozens of people visited the morgue, but not one could say that they knew who the woman was. Late the day following the murder, a Mrs. Rudrum went to the police to report that one of her boarders, a Mrs. Hood, had not returned to her lodgings for two days. The desk sergeant led the way to the morgue, motioning to Mrs. Rudrum to follow him. Is that the woman? Yes. Oh, the poor soul. That's her, all right. You're absolutely certain? Yes, and besides, look at this. I brought it along. Oh. One of those photographs they take on the beach. When was it taken? Not more than three days ago. You're certain of that? Of course I'm certain. Didn't the poor soul come to my room and show it to me? Told me she did, that she'd had it taken that very day, and that was Friday. And we found the body Sunday morning. Oh, Inspector, Inspector! Yes, what is it? Come here, quick! Uh, Found something? Plenty. Look at this. Mm. Photograph of the murdered woman. But it was taken only three days ago. That's right it is, although I don't see what there is in that to get all excited about. You don't? Well, look here. In the photograph, this woman is wearing a chain. Looks like a silver chain with a watch attached. Right, sir. I noticed it. And look at the body. No chain or watch. She was wearing that chain and watch the night she went out. Saturday night. Mm, Tell us some more. You're a perfect mine of information. Well, I'm not one, you understand, to be asking questions of my boarders. And Mrs. Hood, she wasn't one to be saying much about herself. But she was going out to meet a man Saturday night because she dressed herself with a lot of extra care. And something else, too. Yes, what's that? The only mail she ever got was a couple of bluish-gray envelopes from Woolwich, there was. And I remember she got one that morning, and she was excited all day. Maybe it was a letter telling her to meet somebody that night because she was seen by one of my neighbors 
waiting outside the station for the evening train from London. Thanks. Come on, officer. This is where we go to work. And go to work the police did. Every laundry in Woolwich was canvassed. Post officers were watched for bluish-gray envelopes. Pawn shops came in for their share of scrutiny, but no signs of the silver chain or the watch could be found. Newspapers were loud and long in their denunciation of the police slowness in finding the murderer. Hints, none too veiled, were thrown out that a husband should be looked for. And all over England, the main topic of conversation was the murder on Yarmouth Sands. Terrible, that's what it is. The police are not doing their duty. If I had anything to do with it, I'd find that woman's husband. They say that the police know who the murderer is, but won't make an arrest. She'd no business going to a place like that at night, married or not. More than likely, it was someone too prominent. If the police can't solve the mystery, let them who can solve it take their places. A crying shame. Scandalous. Outrageous. More bungling. We're not safe. Hopeless muddling. Who'll be next? Day after day, scathing letters to the press, burning hot editorials, speeches in Parliament, a perfect furor of invective harassing the police at every turn, phone calls from cranks, letters from amateur detectives, visits from maniacs who claimed that they could tell who the murderer was. But one morning at the Woolwich Police Station... Come in. Uh, What's this, Sergeant? This, Inspector, is the murderer of the Yarmouth Sands mystery. What? Here's the evidence, sir. Name is Bennett. Murdered woman's name was not Hood. It was Bennett. Bennett here works at Woolwich Arsenal. A lot of nonsense. I'll have you kicked off the force for this. I'm not finished. Go ahead, Sergeant. Bennett has been going around with a woman by the name of Meadows. She thinks he's not married. And he's been posing as a single man for months. Go on. He was at Yarmouth Saturday evening. Landed on the 8th train, went to the hotel, and left for London again on the first morning train. You think this is evidence? And here, Inspector, is the final link. The only thing needed to put the rope around his neck. Yes? The chain and the watch. The sergeant spoke the truth. The chain and the watch placed the hangman's rope around Herbert Bennett's neck. And on a cold gray morning in March the following year, Bennett walked the 13 steps that lead to eternity. But that hanging was not considered by everyone the solution to the Yarmouth Sands mystery. A great many people agreed with Bennett's attorney, the famous Marshal Hall, who stated that while the jury may have accepted the watch and chain in Bennett's possession as one and the same with that in the photograph of the murdered woman, it was not the same. In just a moment, you will hear a solution to the Yarmouth Sands mystery. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Inasmuch as any solution must of necessity be supposition, liberties of time, place, and character exist in the solution for which you have been waiting. The scene is the home of one of New Scotland Yard's most able detective inspectors. The inspector is talking to one of his friends. No, Jim, now that the years have rolled past and I've had more experience with circumstantial evidence, I don't believe that a jury would bring in a guilty verdict on the evidence presented at Bennett's trial. It was rather strong evidence, even if it was circumstantial. I know it was. Now, department fully believes that they had place motive. Now, 40 years ago, any jury would consider that a man with a criminal record and who was posing as a single man, though married, was guilty. I say that a jury would, under these conditions, consider that sufficient motive for murder there. Today, they wouldn't. You think not? I wouldn't press a charge on such a motive. The fact that a man, married man, is in love with a woman, not his wife, is not, in my opinion, motive for murder. Well, even allowing that, what about the chain? Well, that photograph was one of these things taken on metal. You know, the kind that they take at the beach for tuppence? It was such a poor reproduction that the jury wasn't really satisfied and justified in using it for identification of such a small article as that chain. And Bennett never confessed, did he? No, he maintained his innocence up to the last. And Marshall Hall always believed his client innocent. And Marshall Hall was one of the most brilliant legal minds of the day, besides being a shrewd judge of character. And his reputation is most certainly beyond reproach. You certainly have sown the seeds of doubt in my mind. You know, I've often wondered... Yes? What would have been the result if the inspector and the officer who discovered the body had started their investigations along different lines that morning as they stood looking at that woman's body? Not a sign of a struggle here at all. And her clothing isn't disarranged. No. Pretty obvious that she was murdered someplace else and carried here. And look here. This boot lace around her neck and tied with a reef knot. See the way it was slipped over her head, tightened and knotted. All right, done by a sailor. That's what you'd expect out here anyway. After dark, this place is dotted for miles with sailors and their sweethearts. You never saw it before, did you? No, not me. It's a stranger to Yarmouth. I'd say women here don't wear clothes like that. Oh, she's from London, all right. No identification at all. Nothing but this laundry tag. Well, let's get back to the police station. We've got to find out who she is, but more important than that, we've got to start searching for a sailor. A big husky fellow. Big enough to have carried this woman here after he killed her. And we, too, wonder what the results would have been had the investigation not been influenced by public clamor. Perhaps the mystery of the murder on Yarmouth Sands might not have quite so much the air of an unsolved mystery. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.